One of the questions that I commonly get asked about ACT is what sort of resources are available for children and for people who work with children. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity that I had today to interview Dr. Amy Morell about this wonderful children's book series that she authored and um, that her friend illustrated. I have since recording this podcast purchased these books and started using them with my clients and I can tell you right now that they are very high quality and they offer a lot um, that can be used over and over again. If you would like the opportunity to see these books yourself, um, the links to the books are in the show notes and so if you go to anchor.fm slash actnaturalpodcast, that is where you can find links to those books and where you can purchase them. Um, in addition to that, I would like to ask that you consider donating to the show, either through the Patreon that I have set up or directly contributing through the Anchor.fm contribution system. These podcasts are produced under my time and dime. I don't have um, <clears throat> a lot of invested in this other than the effort that I take and the equipment that I purchase, but I hope to upgrade my equipment and improve the quality of the shows that I produce. Um, as of right now, uh, any contributions could help, but please consider donating, or if you wish to be a sponsor of the show in other ways, please consider contacting me and having a discussion about that. Thank you so much for listening today, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on this fantastic interview. Because there is video that um, has Dr. Morell showing different pages from the books, if you would like to view that video, I have uploaded the video to YouTube, and you can watch the video and see the images of the book, or books rather. And uh, those that will also be linked in the show notes. So if you would like to see those videos and see samples of what the books look like, um, just go back to those show notes again, anchor.fm slash actnaturalpodcast. And that's where you can follow the link to watch that video. Thank you again. Natural Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Middleton. And today we have Amy Morell joining us to talk about bending your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm definitely glad you are here as well. Um, Amy, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am originally from Memphis, Tennessee. And um, I grew up in a home with a mom who has a doctorate in counseling, but she came from a very behavioral program where she got a doctorate in counseling, which I think is sometimes considered a touchy-feely kind of career, probably at a time where there was a lot of behaviorism kind of in the air. And the reason that I'm even saying this at all is because I think that really shaped me, um, the way that she parented me, the way that I saw her sort of bring her work home, I think really shaped the way that I viewed psychology and mental health um, as kind of this mashup as behaviorism as it was traditionally thought of and also a focus on how people really feel and focusing on the whole. Um, and I knew from a very young age that that's what I wanted to do too, a very young age. Okay. Um, so I entered my undergrad program at the university of Memphis um, as a psychology major, I got my undergrad degree 
and a master's degree in psychology from there. Um, I worked um, as a behavior tech during that time, both my um, undergrad and master's degree with um, a lot of uh, neurodiverse children, both kids who would be diagnosed with ADHD and kids with autism spectrum disorder. So that's when I first started really getting into behavior analysis. Um, but then I went to get my clinical psychology degree at the University of Mississippi. And that's where I got exposed to ACT and the contextual behavioral science world. Um, should I keep going about it? introduction kind of stuff or if if you're comfortable with it we can stop wherever you want um like this is this is a big part of understanding why it is that what you have to offer which i think is really fascinating but i'm kind of biased um <laughs> is important so if you feel comfortable adding more then great and if you're okay stopping there then go for it um well, that still puts me in grad school, and that was a while ago, so I guess I'll okay. keep going. <laughs> um, so I, I started doing ACT then um, with, with youth and with parents um, under Kelly Wilson's supervision. Um, I was actually his first PhD student. So, oh, wow. Wow. Um, and I got my PhD in 2005. Um, I immediately in 2005 started working as a professor at the University of North Texas in the psychology program. You know, UNT is very famous for having the first graduate program in behavior analysis. Um, but I was in the psychology department um, did fortunately get to work with some people in the behavior analysis department while I was there. Um, did some grant work with some people there. Um, had some of their faculty on my students' thesis and dissertation. So I got to have some overlap, which was really nice. Um, Trying to think what else is really relevant as a background. Um, I left UNT last year in 2020 and came back to Memphis, which is my home, and started a private practice, Morell Psychological Services, and also took on an affiliate faculty status at the University of Memphis. So I kind of have come full circle with respect to University of Memphis. Um, from an undergrad student to a graduate faculty status. Um, and every semester since I've been back, which has been three semesters, I've just taught one class and they've all been related to teaching ACT in some way. Um, I taught an ACT seminar, an ACT supervision class. Um, so since 2000, I have been conducting research on ACT, um, developing ACT, doing ACT with kids and parents. Um, and all along, I had this dream to write picture books and to um, make ACT more accessible for kids. And so that's why I kind of came around to this idea of writing picture books about ACT for children and I can tell a lot more detail about how that actually came to be, but that really seems like a good way to stop an introduction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and when uh, when I when when we talked about you coming onto the podcast, and and you had said, well, what would you like to talk about? And I'm like, well, act, of course. And then you told me about <laughs> Rebecca. Uh, sorry, not Rebecca. Becca Epps, the series. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> What's that? I'm like, Who, who's this Becca Epps? And then I looked it up. I'm like, wait, there's a kids book series that's act? 
like, why is this not more commonly known? Because like the, the dominant services where act needs to be applied is really the kids. Yeah. In my opinion, anyways, um, because like if we're equipping kids with the skills that they need to be psychologically flexible and and also strong, then right. then the hard things that happen in life, which they happen at any age, sure. the hard things that happen in life, then they're equipped to be able to handle them better. So right. why would we wait until they're an adult and dealing with the the fallout from the hard things that happened to them as a child, especially if we're dealing with adverse childhood experiences, which if anybody isn't familiar with the ACEs, look up adverse childhood experiences and look at the research on that. It is insane. Um, insane in a, like, why isn't it that we ha aren't using this more in our field sort of way, but also insane in a, Hey, there's a possible solution here. So like, why aren't we using this more as well? Um, but like, we got to equip this stuff, this information to our kids and um, why aren't we making it accessible? So Becca Epps series um, and you were the author. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, I completely agree with everything that you just said. And in fact, when I first started Doing the work with kids, act work with kids, it was like 2000, 2001, um, which is crazy because it's like 20 years ago now. It makes me feel crazy old. But um, I remember Kelly saying, Kelly Wilson saying things like, oh, I don't know if this is really going to work with kids. Um, you know, we kind of toyed around with working with kids. Um, in Reno, in Steve's lab, there were a few people that did it, but I don't really know how successful they were, which um, there were people that did really successful work, like Chris McCurry, um, who has a great book out um, for parents who have anxious children that's written from a mindfulness and acceptance perspective. Um, but um Kelly was basically trying to be like, I don't know how to supervise work with kids, so forget it. <laughs> um, and I said to him something like you just said, like, what are we supposed to do? Wait until they're grownups and they're broken? <laughs> um, and I really don't think people are broken at all. But I was just trying to really get him on board. Um, I think that we do need way more resources um, for children. And um, so what I what I did was um, I took a sabbatical, a sabbatical, sabbatical. That's not a word. I took a. I just got so excited. <laughs> um, I took a sabbatical mm -hmm. when I was still at UNT um, to learn how to write for children, um, and I I just took off from psychology altogether mm. um, and went to all of these workshops and seminars and conferences on how to write for children. Um, and then I joined these peer critique groups and I got professional editors and I joined all these professional organizations specifically for children who write um, what's known as kid lit, like, um, and then I took that information and I integrated it with what I knew about child psychology, developmental psychology, and about acceptance and commitment therapy specifically. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I edited and edited and edited. Um, and that's how I came up with the series. And so there's one book for each of the major um, act processes or components. Um, and the book series is published by Shawnee Scientific Press. If you go to shawneescientific.com, you can see a brief description of each one. Um, but 
how they are written is that each one is a brief story, um, developmentally appropriate for traditional picture book age. Um, So somewhere between 400 and 850 words. Um, It was hard to get self as context any shorter than 850 because it's a pretty complex idea. It is. Um, and then after the story, which is meant to, to teach, but without being overly didactic, without being preachy, um, there's a series of critical thinking questions. And after the critical thinking questions, there are several experiential exercises that are directly related to the core process that the book covers. So for example, in I See Me, More Than One Tree, which is the Selfless Context book, um, the experiential exercise at the end, or one of the experiential exercises at the end of that book is based on the very familiar sky versus weather metaphor that's often talked about in ACT, where there's this idea that clouds and storms that may be dark and difficult appear in the sky, but they do not last forever. Mm -hmm. And you can rise above them, but the sky itself is not permanently changed by those things. And that the person is the sky, whereas thoughts and feelings are the weather. And the exercise is that you can take a piece of blue construction paper or a blue uh, cardboard piece, and then you can can glue on things like gray paper or even cotton balls to represent white fluffy clouds because even good things pass, right? Yeah. Um, And illustrate that those things um, pass by over time, but that is not who the individual is. The individual is the background, the container. Yeah. And so each of the books has the story itself. Um, But then in the end, they have these um, exercises. And just to give you a sense of what the stories are like, and I know that people won't be able to see pictures, although you can. (laughs) I, 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 because the pictures are here, if you're okay with it, I'm, uh, I'm probably going to put the video out too. But, oh. only if, but only if you're all right with that. Normally, I don't do that. <laughs> oh, well, then, yes, that would cool. be great. Perfect. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll put I it up on my YouTube channel that I don't usually do. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, that's great, then. Cool. Uh, um, okay, so this is the first of I See Me, More Than One Tree. And actually, most of them are not spiral bound, but this is my favorite reading copy. Mm. Um, just because it's easier to turn pages. Um, This is Becca, who's brave and intelligent, too. She likes dancing and learning and playing kazoo. She's soft-spoken unless a good friend suffers hurt, at which point there's no telling what things she might blurt. She rarely gets mad, and is never too blue, but at times she feels broken and wants a redo. So you can already see, even just in the first few pages, that it's setting this up that sometimes she feels good, sometimes she feels bad, sometimes she feels angry, sometimes she feels sad. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as you go on further, it says, Things like this. And I skipped a lot. I don't want to give away too much. 
<laughs> and then Becca exclaimed to the owl, I get it. At rough times, I have doubts that I'll ever feel fit. But that's only a thought. It's one leaf on a tree. I believe I'm nice too, but that's not all of me. My report card with A's is a really big tree, but good student is a role, not my entirety. So now we have this idea that, you know, there are roles that we play. It basically walks through the um, observer self exercise that's mm -hmm. used in ACT, where there are these um, thoughts and feelings are not who we are, roles that we play are not who we are. There's a piece in here about your body is not who you are. Okay. Um, in this moment, now ponder how you self-construe. Might your body change, though you have a fixed point of view? Yes, I know now, said Becca. I do understand. I'm not just shifting waters. I am all the land. All my thoughts and my feelings, my roles and disease, they touch me and they change me. Yet I am still at ease. Like the forest stays constant amid lots of change. I am always here, though my thoughts and feelings range. I know I am greater, and like everyone I meet, I am the forest. I am perfect. I am whole and complete. And that's the end. That's beautiful. Thanks. I also really like the rhyming because I'm a bit of a poet. So wordplay is one of my favorite things, but there you go. Um, so that so one then, is, was, is that the, I see me? Yes. I okay. see me more than one tree. Okay. So like it says the, you know, my report card with grades um, is a really big tree. Um, but the idea is that even a really big tree is not all of me. Mm -hmm. I am the forest, right? Um, so then like in the, the critical questions, it says, what do you think Becca means when she says, I am the forest? Hmm. Um, and then it says, can you name both good things and sad things about Becca's life? What about your own life? So these are the kinds of questions that are listed in the critical questions. And then, you know, I've, I've given you an example already of like an experiential exercise. Yeah. So every book has that same kind of format. So it's both something that the kid can read and experience themselves, but also gives the adult guidance on how to go through the process and teach the skill and practice the skill with them. Exactly. That's exactly right. I think I need these books for just me. I have used them myself, even though I wrote them, and I have used them with adult clients. Um, and every single one. So that one is the only one that rhymes. It's kind of like an allegory. Mm -hmm. It is the longest one. Um, this next one is like a little bit more fun. It's uh, Becca Epps learns to be, and it's about contact with the present moment. Um, it's um, it's got some singing in it, like it has the bingo song. Okay. Um, Hokey Pokey is in here. Um, one thing that I that I really would like to point out is that Melissa has, um, without being like really. Um, over the top in your face, um, but just been very inclusive and in uh -huh. drawings of people. Um, this is Becca's best friend, Jenny. Um, this book is very um, 
autobiographical um, here. Becca is um, not being very careful. She bumps into Jenny's desk. Um, and here she actually punches this little boy, which I really did do when I was in second grade. <laughs> so so um, Becca Epps is you. Yes. And if you, you know, you asked me about my, my Facebook name. If you look really carefully, you will see that Becca Epps is very similar to Rebecca Epstein. <laughs> I, I had a feeling that was the case, but <laughs> um, but here here's a little learning opportunity in here. So um, she says. Um, I go right past that stoplight that Mrs. Kneebaum taught us. I skip the red when you stop, listen for the smallest sound, and take a deep breath. I pass the yellow when you think about all your choices. I just punched like a grown-up punches the gas pedal when the light turns green. And then she says, thump, thump. My legs are anchors. Tears stream down my warm cheeks. I want to throw up. I observe what's going on in my body. I pretend I'm a curious scientist. My mom says to do that. I don't like noticing how my body feels. Not now. So this is right after she's punched the little boy and she's trying to, you know, be mindful. And it just reminds her of like, oh, I just did something bad. Mm. Um, and so she starts it says, I start singing silly songs instead. So she gets a little avoidant. And she, this is the worst day ever. But then. Which to her in that moment is, it is. Exactly. That's exactly right. But then she, she kind of, she gets a drink of water and she closes her eyes and she takes a breath. I close my eyes and imagine being in the forest by the willow tree. It is my favorite place. I focus on this moment. I wish I didn't have a bad temper, but it's okay. I'm not always in an angry mood. Mm. I need to apologize to Tommy. It's okay. I still feel sad, but I feel relaxed too. Um, and so at the end of this one, the exercises are all about contact with the present moment. It talks about yoga. It talks about taking bunny breaths, which is why there's a bunny here. So uh. the exhalation is longer than the inhalation, which regulates your vagus nerve, which mm -hmm. it explains in here. Cool. That's what that one is. Yeah, it's, um, it's not often that I see people explaining that particular bit because I, I know a little bit about that, the different types of breathing and, and, and people kind of give me this crazy look, like what's, what are you talking about when I talk about how like the way you breathe determines what part of the nervous system you activate? Yeah, absolutely. So good. Thank you for including that. I think it's important. It is. Yeah. Yeah, so it isn't. It's it is explained in there. Um, do you do you want to see more? Or? Please, like whatever you want to share. This is fantastic. Um, a lot of in the mindful behavior group, we have a lot of people who are asking questions. Like, I work with kids. What are some resources that I can use? Where are some Where are some things that we can can do? And like, I'm I'm really hoping that this is a resource that helps a lot of people. And by showing these little snippets, I think that that demonstrates that this is more than just a happy, feel good book. Like it actually has a function. Yes. Like not that happy, feel good books are bad, but yeah. like to be fair, when I first saw the price tag for the book, I was like $20. That's, that's quite a bit. But now I'm seeing what's in the content of the book and I'm going, wait, 20 bucks. That's it. <laughs> So well, good, good. Um, and, and I will be honest. Um, I had nothing to do with that. Melissa and I thought, oh gosh, $20. That is a lot. 
I don't know if anybody will ever buy these books. <laughs> um, but after we saw them and we saw the quality of them, we mm -hmm. saw how great Melissa's pictures looked inside of them. Um, we, we were so pleased and we were so um, proud of ourselves and proud of the work. I mean, just honestly, um, because we've seen them be really useful. I mean, both Melissa and I are using them a lot in session. Yeah. And um, seeing kids and, and some adults too mm -hmm. find them really useful um, and have changes in their behavior after interacting with them. Well, and for anybody who is not familiar with the behavior analytic portion of this, which behavior analysis falls under contextual uh, science, so a contextual behavioral science, um, the behavior analytic portion of this is this is found in, in relational frame theory and act as it applies to a behavior analyst is these are self-management skills. Absolutely. And we're teaching self-management skills. So even if you don't have degree and certification in counseling, you can still teach the skills. Just remember that we have to fall within our scope of practice. So if you start falling into the counseling portion, please don't go there because that's outside our scope. But if you are counseling, um, therapist, anything in that area, then this is well within your scope. And this is also a tool that you can use to help you. Um, but if you imagine a little Venn diagram, we have overlap when it comes to the skills that we teach. And self-management is the most ABA thing that you can do. In fact, that's our goal. Like, Yes, DTT and D, uh, NET and, and differential reinforcement and all the other big old terms that we like to use and, and overwhelm ourselves and others with. Yeah, th those are all there. They're a part of the process. And they're definitely things that we've observed that occur. But ultimately, the goal is each individual manages themselves, which is one of the reasons why I say with no hesitation that one of the reasons that I think that I passed the BACB's uh, exam on the first try was because of ACT. Yes, I knew I studied all my terms and did all these other things, but if I had not had the, the grounding and the self-observation skills, I'm convinced I would have passed out. <laughs> but even if I hadn't, I would have been a nervous wreck the whole way through. Um, and on top of that, my understanding of ACT helped my Im improve my understanding of verbal behavior, which is one of the more difficult areas of understanding in, in behavior analysis. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of interconnected ideas. So, sorry, that's a that's an ABA and ACT blurb, but it's also a blurb, I guess, on saying this is an important area and we need to focus on it and and apply it because we're working with humans. And self-management is key. So absolutely. Um, and I think so this, if I'm going in order, the hugging okay. the hard stuff is the acceptance book. Um, but I'm gonna kind of skip skip it and go to because of what you just said, bird on the brain. Okay. And this is a diffusion book. Um, and so relevant to what you were just saying about verbal behavior mm. um, and how it's related to um, management of behavior. Um, so in Bird on the Brain, this bird whose name is Stony, is a metaphor for Becca's mind, basically, for okay. all the verbal junk um, and the good stuff that goes on in between her ears mm -hmm. um, and how she learns to manage um, what she should listen to and what she shouldn't listen to and how she can kind of um, use tools to get some distance so she can step back and pay attention to um, the stuff that that is 
meaningful and the stuff that is consistent with how she wants to change her behavior and flexible and values consistent ways and the stuff that she's like, nope, I don't want to listen to that at all. Um, so it's very related to what you were just saying. Um, and consistent with, speaking of consistent, with what um, little kids love, it has poop humor. <laughs> um so awesome. this could be my favorite part of this book. And I love this book. Um, I think this is actually my favorite book in the series. And I think this is my favorite part of this book, which tells you a lot about me. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love a little potty humor <laughs> or hate it. Almost 50 year old woman with a PhD and... This potty humor is my favorite part of probably the whole series. Um, but it's it's part of how Becca Epps realizes, like, why am I listening so much to this nonsense going on? Um, this bird is talking about poop. This bird is also talking about um, texting and going in directions of text, that doesn't make any sense. So when he tells me that I'm stinky, stinky like stinky cheese, and when he says um, things like, you're doomed, you've got so many problems, you're like a math book, which is, pretty funny i think i, I think um, that's hilarious um why do i take him so seriously right and so this book is the diffusion book that teaches us hey let's take a step back maybe not take our minds so seriously when they tell us mean things um and decide instead to do things that matter to us, like in this book, Becca decides to audition for a singing competition because singing is important to her. Hmm. Des despite her noisy parrot telling her that her singing is horrible and that she's a chicken. Um, the questions at the end are things like, have you ever been nervous or scared and done something important anyway? Have you ever noticed your thoughts and feelings without responding to them? What happened? It also has questions like, what's your favorite part of the book? Was any part of the book confusing to you? Um, and then one of the experiential exercises is the passengers on the bus exercise, which is kind of an act classic, but the, the major idea behind it is that um, you can either listen to what your mind says, or you can fight with your mind, um, or you can learn to notice your thoughts, acknowledge your thoughts, and choose to either listen or not listen, depending on whether your thoughts are consistent with your values or not. So that's the fourth book in the series. Um, I do just wanna go back very quickly to book number three, um, which is Hugging the Hard Stuff About Acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, this book can mostly be summed up by this um, little figure right here. So Becca's squeezing this ball really, really hard because it symbolizes all of her feelings. Um, and then she realizes that that doesn't work. She has a very good friend who tries to push the ball underwater. That doesn't work. It pops up and hits him in the face. Yeah. So they learn instead to gently hug their hard stuff. Mm. 
to accept it. They can swim around the pool holding their stuff. Um, what matters most is the values book. Um, and um, this was very, very, very special to me for many reasons. I mean, it's a values book, right? Yeah. I wrote this book in the transition from Denton, Texas, back to Memphis. And so you were going through and, and working on what matters most for you. Exactly. And I actually ended up setting the book in Memphis. And it starts off saying Becca Epps lives in a big city by a big river with limestone bluffs. And this whole book is set in Memphis. And we see Becca doing things like going to a nature museum, going to the National Civil Rights Museum, going to Beale Street to listen to music, which is a famous place in Memphis to listen to music. Um, and one thing that's really important again here is that there's a lot of diversity represented. Even Becca's family is represented um, with um, different racial composition, which actually happens to be true in my family. Mm -hmm. and Melissa knew that, and so she drew it that way. Um, they go to the Mississippi River to have a picnic. Um, so they're actually in Memphis. And one of the things that's really, really important here in this book, which I think is so important for children to recognize, is that the family members sometimes have the same values and sometimes do not. And we mm -hmm. learn this throughout the book. And it says um, that they have different values. And um, it says, do you have any of the same values as Becca? What about her cousin, Lissa? Do you have any of the same values um, that she has. What happens when family members disagree about what matters most? So those are the critical question kinds of things. Um, and the experiential exercises are things like working together to build bridges that represent individual values that then collectively come together to represent a family or a community value. And the last book is about committed action. Um, and it's called Becca Built a Garden. And these are my favorite illustrations because I just think Melissa did an incredible job drawing um, in a beautiful, beautiful way. And this was really, really full circle for me because when I was three years old, I wrote a book about a garden. Um, my dad illustrated it for me. And then I really built a garden. And in my new home in Memphis, Tennessee, right after publishing this book, talk about committed action, going out and doing something that mattered, I really built a garden. Um, and so in this book, Becca decides that she wants to build a garden, but again, her inattention and her impulsivity kind of get in the way. She it says she doesn't notice much around her. She's too excited to pay attention to the poster. And there's this poster that says, plant these things together, don't plant these things together. And so she goes out, she just like doesn't, you know, pay any attention. And what happens is she goes to this community garden and she plants things together that aren't supposed to be planted together. And again, we see the same stop sign that we saw in Becca Epps Learns to Be. 
the second book. And she says, I need to stop, look, and think about consequences. I forgot the stoplight again. I can't fix this alone. I need help. And Tommy makes a return visit. That's the same boy she hit. So now we have kind of a guess that he did forgive her because he's come back to help her. And That's he good. says, yeah, that is good. I will help you. I know that look. You're overwhelmed. We can move your plants together. We'll ask the adults to help us too. So again, this idea that committed action requires slowing down, paying attention, but also asking for help, which is so important in terms of social engagement. Um, Becca looks around. She puts her hand on her heart. Her shoulders glide down her back. Thank you, Tommy. Now I do remember that the chart said lettuce is good next to beets. So then the grown-ups and the kids work together. They move things around and they build a garden that is safe, sustainable, and sufficient. Then Becca texts her friends to plan the watering, pruning, and picking schedule. And then they drive home and there's a little bit more that's kind of related to the beginning of the book. There's a circular structure, but since we didn't read the beginning, you that's okay. Check we that have, out on, yeah. We'll have to go buy it. I, I have, <laughs> to, go have buy to go it, buy yeah. it. That's exactly right. <laughs> so that's that's the whole series, really. Little bits and pieces of the whole series. That's wonderful. I'm really excited for this. I hope that this uh, serves as a, an excellent launching point for, for folks that... Um, it gives you some resources or some things that, that can be used to, to help the kids. And I'm going to make sure in my show notes to link to each of the books because Thank you. That, that'll make it easier for it to be found. Um, I, I am definitely excited to purchase it myself. Um, and I'm glad that you showed us a little bit about what's in the books as well, because um, that means that we can see that it's more than just a kid's book. Although I, I hate to say just in talking about kids books because in and of themselves, they're important, but it's also a, a, a therapeutic slash self-management tool. Yes. And so yeah. for me, thinking about it from the perspective of that, a total of $120 is a very small investment for something that, can be used over and over and over for yes for children. Um, I can see this being used as a, a parent training tool too. Yes, absolutely, um, absolutely. Because sometimes I, I, well, it's not just parents. It's it's all of us. We all get kind of caught up in in where where we are at our moment in time. And I think one of the things has made it easy for me to to transition into being going being from being a special ed teacher to a behavior analyst was the fact that it's a little bit, it has been a little bit easier for me to remember what it was like to be a kid. Um, yeah. Like that, that makes a difference when you're, when you're offering that compassion and, and trying to help that, that other person. Um, but a lot of times we forget what it's like because we're caught up in what we're at, what, what, what's going on right now. Yeah. With us. Yeah. But if, if we can do that little bit of time traveling and kind of remember, Oh yeah, that, that was really the hardest thing that I had been through ever at that point. Right. And even if we haven't been through exactly the same thing that the other person that is across the, um, on the other side of the room, across the table, across the, the mat from us, whatever, whatever context you want to think of it in, um, even if we haven't gone through those experiences, we can still have that empathy. We can be like, oh, wait, I've experienced something like this. And then I can have compassion for that other person and not only do a better job advocating for them, but also advocating for ourselves. I think one of the biggest issues that I'm worried about when it comes to any of the human services, not just behavior analysis, and counseling is the struggle that we have of self-care. Yeah. 
And so before I go into the value of ACT, well, not before, when I go into the value of ACT for the people that we serve, because I try to engage people at their values and their values is almost universally for the helping fields is we care about the people we serve. Um, But I talk about how ACT when applied to ourselves helps us to be better caregivers, better servers, better um, scientists, therapists, whatever, whatever the term that you want to do, use to refer to yourself. Um, And it's heartbreaking to see people break themselves against the hard things when we really don't have to break ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, I got a little heavy there. <laughs> that was kind of heavy, but. <laughs> but it's a good heavy, I think. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So, on top of the fact that you can purchase these books, um, I see that you also have a um, the uh, Becca Epps series uh, Facebook page. Yes. And, and I'm seeing that you're posting little, little helpful things that, that pop up. Um, yes. That can be used to help, uh, to mm-hmm. help with that as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I like that there's a little meet the artist post as well. <laughs> yeah. So, um, if anybody wants to follow that Facebook page, go to Becca Epps, uh, B E C C A. E-P-P-S. And um, I'm sure that you're going to be posting other little announcements and things like that there. If anybody wants to be able to reach out to you and and talk to you, um, is that a good place to go through? Or is there any other ways that people can reach out to you? Um, That's that's a good way. Um, Can also email me. Okay. I'm easy to find on email and that's you know a fine way it's just my name amy morell a-m-y-m-u-r-r-e-l-l at gmail.com okay awesome well before we wrap up is there any other thoughts anything that you would like to share with our audience um sorry a lot of pressure there I mean, I could probably talk about ACT and ACT with kids and parents, you know, forever. Um, But I I can't think of anything like super specific. I still, as long as I'm plugging things, I I still think The Joy of Parenting is a great book. Um, So if people are looking for things that are helpful resources... The joy of uh, parenting. I think the joy of parenting is is a good one. And okay. my very biased opinion. It's an oldie now, but a goodie still. Um yeah. That's that's now gonna go up on the show notes too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, might Not as well play like that one too, right? right? <laughs> um uh, um, I can't, I can't really think of anything specific, but if you have any other questions before we go, I'd be glad to answer them. Well, I, I ha- actually have a question and that is, okay. would you, would you be interested in coming in back and, and talking a, a little bit more into jumping into act for kids? Sure. Because that, that sounds like it would just be an episode all of its own. Um, and in fact, I, I might even see if we can, if you're all right with it, um, do a live stream with it so that way people can ask questions because I, I feel like that would be a very appropriate context for it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're very welcome. Um, you know, I... I do sometimes stammer, stutter, take a little longer to answer questions than I think is ideal, but eventually I always get to 
to something. <laughs> and it's usually good, but it just sometimes takes me a little bit. So there's that with the live stream. Just well, and this is something that I had to get uh, come to terms with because um, when I started Bearded Behaviorist, um, I the reason I was confident to do that was because I could post memes and and pre-prepared graphics and I could write things down. Um, and if they, if I made a typo, I could easily fix it more often than not, stuff like that. And I um and uh and, and I stutter and stammer and and uh, stumble over my words pretty frequently. Um, and so it took me it took me some act application to realize that regardless of whether I stumble, stammer, stutter, and make those fun little crazy words that aren't words. Right. Because <laughs> I do that all the time. My personal favorite is, is crocoroach, a cockroach crocodile <laughs> combo. <laughs> I'm also a bit of a nerd. So that led to an amazing D&D session. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> best monster ever. But uh, the point being is I just had to come to an acceptance that like, there are going to be people who are going to judge me for that, but what are my values? What do I care about? Right. And so I've accepted it. And as I've accepted it and practiced accepting it more and more, I'm less concerned about those stumbles and stutters and stammers, but interestingly, my stumbles, stutters and stammers have gone down. I'm sure that, yeah. So that's true. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's pretty interesting how those things interplay with each other. But yeah. Either way, thank you for being brave and coming on and sharing this with us. And um, I look forward to arranging for another time for us to to meet up. And I think what we'll do is um, link it up with mindful behavior, so that way, folks who want to participate can observe through mindful behavior. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, you coming in and taking this time. Um, we'll go ahead and wrap up now, if that's all right by you. Sure. Um, folks, remember that the Act Natural podcast is an open source education material, which means that all or part of it can be used towards continuing education and services. There is one exception to that, though, and that is the video that's being put out with the images on it are copyrighted. And so you do not have permission to distribute or reuse those. Um, we need to make sure that we're honoring and respecting the copyright that is held. Um, so keep in mind that discussions regarding in the audio and discussions, that's perfectly appropriate. Um, but the quoted texts are copywritten and should be respected and cited accordingly, um, as are the images on the video. So. That is a little bit different than my usual spiel at the end of the episode, but we got to make sure that we're respecting and, uh, and honoring the work that Amy and, and our lovely other creators involved here are doing. So please keep that in mind. Um, with the exception of those parts of it, uh, the Act Natural podcast is open source ed, so you can use all or part towards continuing education. As always, remember to cite your sources. Uh, thank you again for joining us today, Amy. It's been a real pleasure and act natural. <laughs> <laughs>